Hello and welcome to Kohler Commentary. It's Unji and today we have Grace Yoon back on the pod with us. For those who missed our episode in March, Grace shared her incredibly resilient story through multiple rounds of IVF, heartbreak, and so much more to journey into this beautiful season of motherhood to the most precious baby, Jesse. Welcome back, Grace. This is a loaded question, but how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me. You have just reached the end of your fourth trimester. Did you know what a fourth trimester was? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. For those that don't know, the fourth trimester is basically the 12-week period that follows the birth of your baby. And so if you haven't heard about it, every mother and their newborn, they go through this time where it's a great physical and emotional change for your baby because they're adjusting outside the womb. And then you are adjusting to your new life as a mom. And so in the fourth trimester, you can expect a lot of fussiness and crying and pretty much 24-7 exhaustion for you <laughs> as well. Because newborn babies, they're learning to adjust to life outside of the womb where it was warm and squishy. And also 80%, including myself, and I, I, if you want to share as well, of women experience baby blues, which also brings emotional sensitivity, which can definitely heighten all the feelings that come with just trying to keep this beautiful human alive. And so I want to commend you, Grace, for making it through the fourth trimester and also going on a road trip with him. Yeah, yeah, we just came back from LA a couple days ago. So we've been pretty much sleeping all day yesterday and today. Was this for like to specifically celebrate the end of fourth trimester kind of? I mean, kind of not really. We just we really wanted to go eat a lot of delicious food in LA. And so we were like, hey, you know, it's also he's turning three months. It's the end of the fourth trimester. Let's just celebrate. Mm, was it successful? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot better than I expected it was going to be. Mm. I my expectations really low because he does not sleep well in the car or in the car seat. I thought it was going to be really tough and we would have to basically stop all the way down. But we left at like 3 a.m. right after his first long stretch of sleep at night. And then mm. we were able to get about an hour and a half to two hours of, you know, driving in before he woke up and then started being fussy. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was okay. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm glad he got to see a new city and yeah. um, kind of experience that with you guys. I love that you even did that um, <laughs> so props to you brave mother uh, okay so so many people were definitely blessed by how you shared your story pre-motherhood and that's the strength you carried through it all and for those that don't follow you it sounds like birth and healing oh was not any better in the <laughs> yeah. sense of how difficult it was and oh like when gosh. I saw that like my heart like broke I was like no you've been through like so freaking much and like <laughs> birth itself is already so hard but it just sounded so difficult and then I'm like oh my gosh she's just like the strongest person ever as well <laughs> but yeah so I think we just want to start it off with how comfortable you might be sharing that birth story before we talk about and reflect on the fourth trimester what was that like and how how did yeah. that start the foundation for this new season for you yeah I, I struggle a little bit with sharing this because one thing that I felt was before I gave birth was that there were so many stories of trauma that people yeah. shared with me that 
it really made me scared of giving birth. And the only reason why I felt less scared and more confident was because I read Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. And she talks about how, you know, birth is a natural thing. Women have been doing it for centuries. And like our bodies were built to birth babies and things like that. So I think reading that finally made me feel like, okay, this is something that I can do. And I, I felt much better about it. And she says in the book that, you know, in America, we tend to kind of glorify like traumatic birth stories yeah. in a way. And so I did, I, I struggle with kind of sharing this because I don't want to scare anyone mm. <laughs> who may be about to give birth or are on the journey to that. So I'll share, but with the caveat of like, you know, there are also so many people who have positive birth stories and I mm. really encourage people to read those and listen to those as well because it can be... I'll try to... I have a few few friends that have those. I'll also bring them okay. up so we cannot just glorify them. Yeah. That's a good point. That's, that is a good point. It is a scary journey. So I'm glad that you did preface with that. Yeah. And so I think for me, I try to like prep myself as much as possible with everything that could happen. And I told myself, you know, whether I wanted to have a most the most natural birth possible, yeah. but I told myself if it came down to having to do a C-section or if I had to have any type of medical um, intervention, like an epidural or pitocin or whatever, like I would be open to that. Like I didn't want yeah. to be so stuck in my birth plan that I would not go for those things. So I think from the very beginning, I told myself I would be open-minded, <laughs> which I think helped kind of through my birth. So mm -hmm. I think to just kind of start from the beginning, I think my water broke at like 3 a.m. on um, April 2nd. And I like woke up because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm peeing in my pants. <laughs> um, and then I still didn't really feel a lot of contractions. But because when your water breaks, you are at a higher risk for infection, you should go into the hospital right away. So I think that was like number one in my birth plan that didn't go to plan, which is I wanted to like labor at home as long as possible. And uh, like, because, you know, the longer you labor at home, the less medical interventions you will get when, once you go to the hospital. But like, if your water breaks, you should go to the hospital right away because of infections and stuff. So that was like already number one, it didn't go according to plan. And then once we got to the hospital, I was trying to kind of do everything that the books and videos told me I was like on a birth ball I walked around I like got into different positions I was trying to like induce my labor but every time the nurse checked me at first I was like 0.5 centimeters dilated and then after a few hours I was only like one centimeter dilated oh um, my god <laughs> and for those of you who don't know you have to be 10 centimeters dilated yes. in order for you to start pushing so I think it was about 12 hours into it and I was still only like three centimeters dilated. And by then, you know, again, like the risk of infection is a lot higher because if your water breaks, that barrier between your baby and like the outside world is broken. So there's like a higher risk of bacteria and stuff affecting your baby. So I was like, okay, I'm okay with Pitocin. Let's kind of speed these things along. So that was like already number two in my plan <laughs> that didn't go because I didn't want to like induce labor. I wanted it to happen naturally. But every time they gave me Pitocin to kind of like start inducing the contractions and stuff, they noticed his heartbeat dropping. And so finally after... I don't remember. It was like total from like when we went to the hospital to when they told me, like, I think we need to do a C-section because something's wrong. Like his heart rate shouldn't be dropping. Like every time you have a contraction, he is distressed. And so it was about 17 hours. I was having like contractions every like two minutes lasting like 30 seconds, 40 seconds, getting no rest. I was like, okay, 
just give me the epidural. <laughs> I like gave up. I got the epidural, but still like the contractions were distressing him. And so they told me we should do a C-section. And so they gave Darren and I time to think about it. And that was already like another thing in the plan. I was like, oh, I want to do a vaginal birth. So I think when they told me about the C-section, like, again, even though I said I was going to be open, I definitely was disappointed because I did mm. want to have that like vaginal birth experience. But, you know, at the end of the day, my goal was to have a healthy baby. And if something was wrong, I, I definitely wanted to make sure that he was okay. And then I think after that, once we said yes to the C-section, everything happened so quickly. I think from the time we said yes to the time I was like in the operating room, it was only like 30 minutes. <laughs> so they, they rushed me into the operating room. They put up like the big screen yeah. or whatever, so you can't see what's going on. I had the epidural in already. And so, yeah, I think I was, I was just like shaking uncontrollably. I think, yeah, I guess it was mostly from the fear of what was happening. And then I felt a ton of tugging down there and a bunch of pressure. And then they got him out, but he didn't cry. And I didn't hear like a baby, even though they were like, oh, he's mm. out. I didn't hear any crying for it seemed like a long time. I'm sure it was only like a few seconds, but um, it seemed like a really long time. And then finally I heard the cry and it was such a relief to hear that because that's yeah. when I knew, okay, he was okay. And later the doctor told me that like the last part of his umbilical cord was completely white. And actually I had posted a picture of when they took him out and you can see that. You can see the umbilical cord is like completely white because yeah. he it was actually wrapped around his neck. And so he wasn't getting any nutrients, like the blood was cut off, like it could have been. And then the doctor told me, it's good that you made the decision when you did, because if we had waited any longer, the result could have been catastrophic. Oh my and I think goodness. that like scared me so much. I was like, catastrophic, what does that mean? But, oh. um, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, yeah, he was born healthy. So that is, oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> So yay to the one thing off your checklist, born healthy. Yeah, the most important thing. Yes, yes, the absolute most important thing. Wow, that's like so, so how, from start to finish, how long were you guys in the hospital for? From when we got to the hospital to the operating room, it was probably around like 17 or 18 hours. And yeah, and the whole time, the most I ever was dilated was like three centimeters. Oh my God. Yeah, it was just... Oh, Jesse! Hi. He does like that. He just. Do you want to say hi to? Hi, Jesse! Happy fourth trimester. You're a big baby now. Do Do you want to start later? The video is not going to be on the podcast, right? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Okay, then I'll just feed him while we talk. <laughs> this is real life, guys. Oh my gosh, I love it. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp, the sponsor of this episode, is here for you. BetterHelp offers a broad range of over 20,000 licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Plus, you can get 10% off your first month with my code, betterhelp.com slash Kohler. With BetterHelp, you can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience, and all you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs before getting matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. 
As a mom constantly working around Jaden's toddler schedule, having my weekly therapy online has been a complete game changer and a huge reason why I have made big steps to better my mental health for myself and for my family. You can also request a new therapist anytime at no additional charge. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Don't forget to use my code to get that 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Kohler. That's better com slash Kohler. I read on one of your posts that the breastfeeding journey was a little easier. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, whenever I would go visit my friends who gave birth, they always seemed fine. You know, they always seemed like, you know, a little tired, but not in any pain and like kind of back to normal. So I don't know, for some reason, I thought like after you give birth, like a few weeks later, you're totally fine. And that was definitely not the case for me. And I'm sure for lots of other people. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, the toughest part was like, okay, birth was very traumatic and scary. And like, I wasn't super expecting a C-section. But then the recovery itself from it was so tough and also not something that I had prepared for because I had prepared everything up until like birth. (laughs) And then after birth, I didn't even think about it. So it was like, I thought about, you know, taking care of the baby and like all of that, but not like taking care of myself. Yeah. So I think it was very unexpected how tough that was. In the post that you had posted, right, like even from the hospital room, your mother-in-law and mother came. And that Mm -hmm. was something that obviously was needed because of Mm -hmm. the state of you. But with that, and then with the first six weeks after, it was like you were not able to really physically function. Yeah. So I got home and, you know, 24 hours after the surgery, they make you like get up out of the hospital bed and at least try to walk to the bathroom and stuff, Yeah, which was so painful. Like, I don't know how they expect people to do that. But anyway, um, so I was able to like walk and our house is a three story like townhome. So I had to like walk up the stairs to the third floor to get to my bedroom. (laughs) So that was also very, very painful, but it was possible. Like I did it. And then for the first few days, I was like forcing myself to walk around and things like that. So, cause they tell you, you should walk around and, and try to be mobile. So I did that, but there was so much swelling in that area. I had a ton of bruises because throughout my whole pregnancy and then during birth, hi, um, <laughs> I had low platelet counts, um, mm. which means that my blood wouldn't clot. And so because of that, when they like sewed me up, so there's like, I guess, I don't know how many, what is it, sutures there are, but there's like the inner layer that's like inside you. And then they also have like the outer layer of your skin, right? So the inner layer, all that blood was like pooling in in there. And because Mm. I had low platelet counts, it wasn't like clotting. And so it was kind of like, if you think of a dam, (laughs) um, like the blood was pushing against my incision, like on my skin. And so after a few days, it finally burst. So my incision like opened up and then Um, that's when we had to go to the ER because I started bleeding from there. And that was also really scary because it was like black blood because it was old blood that was like inside me. And I just remember like crying because I was like, what's happening to me? Like, (laughs) yeah, it was very scary. So um, there was like that complication. And then I'm like used to doing things myself and being able to 
function by myself and I couldn't like put on pants by myself. I couldn't like put on my own underwear. Like I couldn't put on socks. It was just so, I was very much helpless and having to rely on my mom who was here, my mother-in-law, Darren and things like that. And obviously I'm like super grateful for them, but I think kind of going back to like the postpartum Right. blues or whatever it wasn't so much blues for me I think I had like postpartum rage <laughs> a little bit <laughs> where like I felt so resentful at the same time so grateful for the people right. who were helping with Jesse but it's like because I couldn't do any of that stuff I just felt like a cow like they would give mm. it give him to me I would feed him and then I would give him back so people could burp him and then like try to put him up to sleep or hold him because I couldn't even really like hold him and stand up at the same time. So it made me feel like I missed the first like four weeks of his life because I couldn't do anything for him except feed him. I would see people holding him and like, you know, giggling with him and like bonding with him and loving him. And that's all like so great. Like I, that's awesome. Right. But for me, I felt like so much rage inside because I was like, I can't do that. Like, he's my baby. <laughs> so that was also really tough to to try and like reconcile with myself too. You know, like, why why do I feel this way when I should be so grateful for all the help I'm getting? Dang, the, it reminds me of our last episode where you were talking about that lady who had all those different emotions at the yeah. same time. You know, like, because yeah. that recurs to me a lot when I have these like, opposing emotions on certain situations and it's like Mm -hmm. so true like all the anger that I would feel too if I was in your position but then that same flip side of the gratitude and the love you have for Jesse and then all of that yeah oh my god I remember I remember thinking like does he even know I'm his mom Mm. you know does he even recognize that I'm his mom because I don't even get to really spend time with him other than to feed him and so that was like really upsetting for me yeah when did that and has that shifted between yeah. that feelings that you might have carried? Is it still there? Are you even able to fully process all of what happened when motherhood continues forward without pause? And where are you today with all of what you had just shared? For me, it, it definitely helped when I started healing physically and I could do more for him. Because no one told me, oh, you'll be fine after 10 weeks or you'll be fine after six weeks. So I didn't know what my timeline was. And I think in my mind, I was like, oh, a few weeks and I should be back to normal. And Mm. that was like the expectation I had. And I think when after, you know, a week or so, I had to go to the ER like twice and I was still not recovered. And physically, I still couldn't be very mobile and all of that. I think I that difference from what my expectation was was what was very frustrating for me because I think if someone had just said hey it's going to take you about 10 weeks or 12 weeks mm-hmm, to recover mm-hmm. then at least I would be like okay be patient I it will I can see the light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing but I was just like being too impatient with myself so I think yeah it took me about 10 weeks until at least um <laughs> my incision was fully Aww, like closed yeah. up and and then a couple of, <laughs> he gets very frustrated when the milk doesn't flow as fast as he wants. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Fast drinker, huh? <laughs> yeah. You work a little bit harder, man. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it was about 10 weeks before my incision healed. And then about a couple of weeks ago, so at 11 weeks, I tried going back to exercising a little bit. Um, and I exercised a little bit for like two days 
And then the third day, I had so much pain in my incision area that I was like, okay, I'm definitely not ready to go back to exercising. And I didn't even do much. I like did a little like walk, a brisk walk. I did like, what is it? A couple of like lunges <laughs> and stuff like that. And yeah, Gosh. it was not good. So. Wait, so... And now we're at 12, 13 weeks right we're now? We're at 13 weeks, yeah. Oh my gosh, so you're like just... For some reason, I think when I read it, I was like, wow, six or eight or something, which is still a lot. And Oh my goodness. And yeah. so if you can just hear play-by-play, like she is just barely healed and then she's just switched sides so that she could be Jessie on her other <laughs> side and while we podcast Supermom right here and so many Supermoms out there, but this is like insane to kind of see in real life. Thanks for coming on, Grace. Um, wow. So physically, it just took a lot, a lot of time. I guess mentally, I'm curious right now, where do you feel like where you are in that process of not mental healing because you just become a completely new person and your mind is now like on like 10 light speeds, whatever the term is ahead. But how are you able to, yeah, mentally be present every day in a way that you might be comfortable with now? Are you speaking for her? Are you speaking yeah. for mommy right now? <laughs> what, what do you What do you think? Hmm? How's mommy's mental health? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. How's your mental health, Grace? <laughs> it's good. I mean, I think the physical aspect was like the most the strongest determinant of my mental health. I think in the beginning, the emotions were just all over the yeah. place because first it was the the idea of like, okay, does he even recognize me? Does he even know I'm his mom? Um, emotionally, I didn't feel bonded with him because I just felt like a cow. <laughs> um, and also because I didn't vaginally deliver him, it was like, one second he wasn't here or one second he was like still in my belly and then the next second he was just out and I didn't like feel like the process of birthing him so Mm. it just didn't feel like I had done that like I hadn't given quote-unquote given birth to him and then once he was out they just like put him next to my head but I was like you know strapped down or whatever not strapped down but I couldn't move because of all the numbing stuff and so I couldn't really like touch him then he went into the NICU and they did all like the the stuff to him like the drops and whatever Um, and I was in the recovery room and so they didn't bring him to me until you know I don't know how much longer like maybe 30 minutes afterwards or something like that and so just I don't know like the whole time I was like expecting to feel this like rush of love and happiness um, and that never happened and then while I was recovering and in the hospital for like three days I was on magnesium drip which because I for some reason had high blood pressure once I delivered and so that magnesium makes you super drowsy and like hot and just out of it so again like I didn't feel emotionally connected to him at all and then once I came home Again, I wasn't able to really do much for him and I saw other people bonding with him, but I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was like the the biggest obstacle to my mental happiness was just like all of that happening. And then then there was like the ER stuff and the incision stuff and just all of these complications that kept happening. And I didn't feel like I got this chance to bond with him. So it wasn't until maybe like week six where I was finally able to feel a little bit better that and I could like do a little bit more for him and then he started like smiling at me and things like that that I finally started to feel more bonded to him and then you know obviously now I I definitely do feel a lot more bonded and I'm 
able to take care of myself and not have to depend on other people so much. I just have to be a lot more patient and give myself a lot more grace. I don't know if that's the experience all everyone else has, but I think just letting people know it takes a long time. Like that fourth trimester is called the fourth trimester for a reason. I think it takes a full like three months before yeah. you really feel not back to normal, but at least like. There's some light. <laughs> yeah, like more stabilized. Yeah. yeah, I remember even for me, just like I would text the moms. I knew how long did it take you to heal? How long? And yeah. like I would just like want that number and like cling yeah. on that. It's like it's been past this many weeks. How much? Like why is it? You yeah. know, like so. So it is like it's that weird. Like I just want that number because it impedes your ability to fully care for this human you just brought to life. And yeah. And so I'm glad you finally get to have those like a crazy but he's freaking precious and all the giggles and clues <laughs> and everything but yeah hearing how that journey was was definitely not easy for you at all as you have now <laughs> ended the fourth trimester and if you were to look back just like the greatest memory you can think of of motherhood so far and then also the greatest anxiety within motherhood so far I think the greatest memories are just getting him like the first time he laughed and getting him to laugh it's just the best sound in the world and you're like what did I do to make him laugh and how can I recreate that over and over and over again (laughs) yeah and I remember I think it was like week six or something like that where I was trying to put him to bed and he wasn't he was being really fussy and he wasn't sleep or he wasn't falling asleep. And I just started singing like this one praise song. I can't even remember what it was. And uh, while I was singing, he just like stared at me and then he started like closing his eyes mm-hmm. and I like started crying. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I- and your voice is beautiful. <laughs> if y'all uh, didn't know. <laughs> no, thanks. Cindy. I'm not really an anxious person, but I think, I've become more of an anxious person a little bit once I became a mother because, I don't know, you just find so many things to be anxious about that you didn't even think that you would, you know. I thought I would be like a super chill mother. (laughs) But but it's like, you know, in the beginning, you're anxious about feeding. You're like, oh, is Mm -hmm. he getting enough milk? Like, he still seems hungry even though I just fed him. Am I making enough? How do I increase my supply? You know, and you're just stressing about milk. And then once you kind of get over that, period then you stress about nap time you're like oh why is he only napping like 20 to 30 minutes at a time um okay should I be putting him down when he's drowsy but awake that's what you know people are telling me or should I be putting him down fully awake so he learns how to self-soothe should I be sleep training right now or should I wait like you just find so many things to be anxious about and it sounds like you're a researcher in general like with like the things that you did kind of hope for and plan for with birth when you research things like this, does that feed into your anxiety or does that help you then pick a plan that you would be com- comfortable with? Because there's just so much out there that can make yeah, you incredibly so anxious. I think for me, I like to know what my options are. And this is actually how I travel too, right? Like before I go anywhere, I will do extensive research and put together like this packed itinerary, like minute by minute itinerary where it's like, okay, first we go here, then we do this, then we eat this, then we like go to this place and then do that. And um, it can be like very overwhelming, but once I'm there, I'm like way flexible in terms of how I want my day to go. So like if we go to this one place and we decide we love it and we want to stay here for like three hours, I'm totally fine with that. And I'm open to that but what I don't want to happen is I go somewhere and then we have no idea what to do right I want my options and I want to have like a semblance of a plan but I don't necessarily 
need to follow that plan. And I'm not like completely wedded to that plan either. Um, so I think that's how I am with motherhood too. It's like, I will text all my friends like, oh, what happened when you did this? Or like, what do you recommend here? And like, I would text everyone. I would go on the internet. I would research all this stuff. So I would have like all these options, but then I would just try different things to see what works. And I think what really helped change my mindset because I, I was getting so anxious about nap time <laughs> for a while because you know, I heard about like wake windows and how um, for babies or like for newborns, their wake window is like 60 to 90 minutes. So as soon as like that 90 minute hit, I would like try to put them to bed. And for a while, I was like in the nursery for like three hours trying yeah. to like, get him to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, shh, like, why are you not sleeping? Um, and I was, it was so stressful and so frustrating for me. And it was like robbing me of the joy of having a child because I was like so hell bent on keeping to this wake window. But at some point it just kind of clicked like okay this baby is a human being it's Mm. not a robot and these are just guidelines right they're not they're not like tried and true you have to stick to it so if he doesn't sleep after trying for 15 20 minutes then that's fine let's just like go out play get him to get a little bit more tired and then try again and I think just having that mindset of like flexibility helped so much in my mental health journey too Um, because yeah I was trying so hard to like do it by do it like quote-unquote the right way and I just realized there is no right way and I think that's what really helped with my anxiety so I think I'm still on that journey of learning okay these are all just guidelines you can see what works for you and what works for the baby but at the end of the day, there's no like one right way to do things. And I think I was trying to find that right way. But I, I think I'm still anxious about like, am I am I doing it correctly? Or am I doing it yeah. right? Or am I doing it the best? Like, is he getting enough sleep? Is he getting enough food? Is he, that's what I still feel like I'm struggling with from like the anxiety side. But I'm trying to, again, give myself a lot more grace. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's hard if you are naturally not an anxious person to begin with. And then suddenly yeah. like, this is like the normalness of being a mom and then like all these anxieties and stuff. How do you and Darren, I'm curious, like teamwork with that? Yeah, Is he also think, getting a lot more anxious too with all of the things or you always talk about him being very steadfast. Yeah. I mean, actually I had expected us to be the opposite because Darren mm. is very detail oriented, like very by the book. Um, and so, and, and like, he's, he's very good at anticipating your needs. So like, if you are eating food, he'll like bring you water, even though you didn't Mm -hmm. ask for it. Right. Like he's very good at kind of like reading the room and doing things before you ask, which is great. Uh, On the flip side, like there's always a double-sided sword. So on the flip side, it's like, uh, I call him like the helicopter dad (laughs) where I'm like, you have to let the child struggle a little bit. You can't just like swoop in and like help them before they ask um, or else they'll never learn to do it themselves. So I had expected when we had a baby that he would be the one to really like be a lot more like, yeah, just a lot more uh, diligent about things and less chill. And I would be like the more chill one, but I feel like it's completely flipped. Like he's definitely a lot more chill than I am about nap time, about eating, about all of those things. So I think that has helped me also, at least it's balanced me out to remind me like, okay, it's okay. It's fine. Like it doesn't have to always go a certain way. That's good. Within this fourth trimester, what were some of the biggest things that kept you moving forward? Yeah, I think just reaching out to other moms about, hey, 
like today was really hard. He only napped 20 minutes at a time. What did you do to try and like improve his nap times and stuff? And they'd be like, you know, I, I don't remember. And honestly, yeah. it's, it's gonna, it's only gonna last a few weeks, like just hang in there, you know? So just knowing that, okay, this is just like a phase or it's temporary. I think mm-hmm. that helped. And for a while, in order to get him to nap more than 30 minutes at a time, we would just, like, I would just hold him in the nursery. (laughs) And I call it being nap trapped. But, like, I would just basically hold him for, like, two hours so that he could get, like, that two-hour stretch of sleep. And in the beginning, in my mind, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I need a vacuum. Like, I need to do the laundry. I need to do X, Y, Z. Like, there are so many things I just want to, like, do and fix around the house. And I would feel, like, oh, why do I have to hold him? And, you know, all of that stuff. But again, just remembering that this is so temporary. He's only going to be this little for so long. Even now I'm like, oh, why is he so heavy? Like I miss him when he was so little. (laughs) Like it's so temporary. And all of these other things will always be there. But this time that you have is so short. And so even though it's not that helpful at the time when people are like, oh, enjoy the, enjoy it. You know, it's going to pass. It really is. And so just shifting that mindset to be like, okay, this is temporary. It will pass. So try to enjoy it as long as you can. I think that was really helpful. If we continue on with that, I feel like that's also an advice for the next moms to be. What are some other tips or advice you would give newborn moms since you are not, you're still the newborn mom, right? But like, you know, yeah. you're about to move on to like the baby stage, not the infant stage, right? Is that what it is? When the, yeah. I, think so. I don't I think, think when you're talking yeah. about wake windows, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for these words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think just like the biggest advice is like reach out to your friends, go to the internet, you know, find what everyone says, but then just do what works for you. You know, there are so many posts. And things that say like, oh, pacifier is bad for you or bad for the baby. But it's like, hey, if it helps the baby sleep and it soothes the baby, then do it. Like, it's totally fine. That even goes back to like taking care of yourself too. Like, I remember in the beginning, I didn't want to take too many painkillers and especially like opioids because I was like scared. Mm. Um, But my sister-in-law was like, dude, just take all the drugs because um, the hospital wouldn't give it to you if it was bad for you. And if it helps you mentally, like, because if you're in physical pain, your mental health is going to be really, um, really bad. Um, So if it helps you physically, just take it, just do whatever it takes Uh, to make you feel comfortable so that you can take care of yourself mentally. Um, And I think that advice was so helpful for me because, yeah, after she said that, I was like, you know what, you're right. So I just started taking all of the drugs. I was like, Tylenol, ibuprofen, like opioids, I don't care. Just give me all the drugs. And I, that way I can at least be present mentally for the baby and for everyone else around me. So yeah, just listen to what people say, but then do whatever you think is right and whatever works for you and the baby. Um, And just know that what works one day is not going to work the next day. Like I remember one day, like we put him in a Merlin sleep suit and he slept. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And he slept like eight hours in the night. And I was like, oh my God, this is magic. And then literally the next night I put him in the exact same suit. I did the exact same thing. And he woke up every four hours. Oh no. So just know that like and and so you know now I can like look back and laugh at it but I think it's so it's like kind of a fun puzzle you know you're like okay what did I do this day that worked and how can I recreate that and like let me try this so it's kind of like a fun puzzle but you know at 4 a.m when you're like trying to console (laughs) a screaming baby I think that's less funny but now looking back I'm like oh it's kind of fun to try and figure out who he is and what works for him Um, but just know that it's an ever-evolving process 
And I learned so much about myself and the babies going through it that people don't tell you. So for example, like body odor, I don't know if you (laughs) experienced that, but like in your first trimester, I felt like I was so smelly all the time. I would like shower and then immediately still feel like I was stinky and I'd be sweating all the time. I would be hot all the time. And like, nobody told me that. (laughs) That's true. Cause you, cause I didn't really have any ever growing like in my life and then something I like, mm-hmm. just felt yeah like that disgustingness I was like oh my gosh that's me that's like, yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah, that's what me. is that smell <laughs> oh shoot that's me oh my god what, what else did you learn about yourself like that I don't know if other people feel this way but for me like I just didn't want to be touched I'm already like my boobs are already being sucked on all the time like Darren hugging me or you know trying to like cuddle with me I was like uh get away like I'm so hot I'm so sweaty I'm so stinky like I don't want to be touched so yeah that was one thing even in the bay area yeah yeah on the lens with uh new moms what would be like the top must-have baby items that you think were the best so far yeah. that helped you get yeah. through. I don't know, Merlin sounds like it is not actually a magic <laughs> sleeper. It doesn't sound like it's bad. It just doesn't sound like it was the, the magic yeah, touch. The magic bullet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think just, first of all, anything where you could put the baby in, so like a Dakotot or a Bjorn mm-hmm. Bouncer or what is it? Those carriers where yeah, you can yeah, just like yeah. carry the baby and be hands-free. So anything that allows you to either put the baby down or be hands-free Um, are super helpful, especially in the beginning stages when all they want to do is be close to you. And then for me, a breastfeeding pillow, I had the breast friend that was really helpful because I would just sit there with him on it and like watch TV at like 3 a.m. while he was feeding. Do you pump too? Well, so for the first like four weeks, I just breastfed and then I started pumping a little bit to try and build a stash yeah you gotta build a size stash (laughs) yeah oh and that was also stressful too because it's like oh am I not I don't have I'm not making enough to build a stash and why and Mm -hmm. um what I didn't realize was in the first like six to eight weeks because he because the baby is like drinking so much and needing so much you don't really build a stash during that time it's only after like six to eight weeks when, you know, now he only needs to feed like maybe two and a half to three hours or whatever, that you can now start to build a stash. So I stressed so much in like the first four to eight weeks being being like, ah, like, am I not making enough? I'm not building enough enough milk. When I realized like it was normal, you, I just had to wait until he kind of stabilized a little bit. So that's like another small thing that I never knew until I became a mom. <laughs> Interesting. I'm learning stuff right now. <laughs> okay, so what else? So this one... Is that a snoo behind you? No, it's just okay. a normal bassinet. Okay, bassinet. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. where he normally that's... sleeps? Yeah, yeah. And that's really helpful because, you know, he's right next to me. So in the middle of the night, I don't have to get up. I can just like pick him up and feed him and then mm-hmm. put him back in the bassinet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in the beginning, I think newborns sleep anywhere, but... And so you you really don't need anything, but as they near their third month, they really start to need like a darker environment, like a sound machine, right, things like that. Right. So blackout shades and sound machines have been a definite must for us, at least. Um, but that was more in like the later part of the yeah. fourth trimester. In the beginning, like literally the baby sleep anywhere. And then for us, the white warmer was really great because in the middle of the night when you're changing him, you know, you don't want to put like a cold wet wipe on him because that will just like wake him up more. So having oh, a wipe warmer. Yeah. That, interesting. That, okay. 
that made the middle of the night changes a lot more pleasant for I never for thought about that that's so true because like yeah. a wet one is like what oh huh because <laughs> <laughs> you're oh, are you, you're due in the winter right I'm due in October so yeah okay. we'll be winter time I'm Texas yeah. winter you but white so, warmer yeah, yeah. <laughs> a white warmer okay basically I'm having you tell me what to get <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know what to get <laughs> yeah Okay, and I don't like using bad or good, but I always say Jaden is was a bad and is still a bad sleeper. <laughs> how is mm-hmm. um how is Jesse? <laughs> I think I was reading some of your posts and I was like, I felt I felt like I related a lot with how but when I saw like five hours of sleep, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember only having five as well <laughs> when like my friends were having like sleeping through the night at this time. I was like, What the heck? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to compare him to, so I'm not sure if he's bad or good, but I see some posts from my friends who have newborns that are younger than Jesse and they're like, oh, he gives me like seven to eight hours of sleep at night or like eight to 10 hours of sleep at night. And I'm just like, Jesse has never done that. He's done that once. <laughs> he's The oh Merlin thing. <laughs> yeah, the Merlin thing. He's, he slept eight hours and then I had the worst clog duct oh, no. ever. It, so it wasn't even. Yeah. It wasn't oh. even worth it. Like I would have rather him woken up and then I fed him and then not suffer through a clog duct. But he slept eight hours and then I woke up with a clogged duct and it took two and a half days for the duct to get unclogged. It was miserable. So I was just I like, go sleep through the night. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. Yet. Not really. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I remember when he started sleeping longer, I would wake up and pump. And I was like, is this even worth it though? Like, yeah. now, but then it's like, but then I'm going to get the clock, but then which one do I, do? yeah. So there's yeah. all these like options you have to weigh. That's crazy. I know. Oh. I know. And like the worst thing, it's like that mental battle, right? You're like, okay, he's napping. He's been napping for an hour. Should I pump now because it's right. been like three hours or should I just wait until he wakes up? What if he doesn't wake up for another two hours? Then what do I do? Like, you're just constantly like, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. What's the meaning behind Jesse's name? So Jesse means God's gift, which mm, is very appropriate. Because, yeah. Yes, he was our little gift. And then Zion is actually where Darren and I got engaged, Zion National Park. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but is that also going to be his Korean name at all or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So Zion in Korean is Shion. Um, so my parents call him Shion. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yun is and the last name, last name yeah, yeah was for his his mom right mm-hmm. you guys both changed your name oh my gosh do they like all love him like, like <laughs> oh my gosh like the first I don't know four weeks of his life he probably did not even like touch the ground because everyone was holding him <laughs> and, and then he's having his tour soon so he's gonna be like surrounded by all the family again <laughs> yeah or his hundred day yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah tour is one year peggy peggy Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, do you guys, are you guys going to try to incorporate both like cultures into a lot of things for him or? Yeah, I really want to, but I think I'm a lot more, you know, like I want him to wear a hanbok for his mm-hmm, pool and pegging mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when I ask his, when I asked Darren's mom, oh, like what do Chinese babies wear for their hundred days and stuff like that? They're less, you know, they, I, I don't think they care as much. <laughs> um, but since his family is super close, I have a feeling that Jesse's going to grow up learning how to speak Cantonese and all that anyway so I think naturally he'll pick up Darren's culture but for me I have to be a lot more intentional about him picking up Korean culture. Dang, he's gonna be so like well-rounded 
Um, <laughs> so I know that you said at the beginning there was a lot of trauma and like talking about that. Did this experience, did it scare you from wanting more? Like this isn't a conversation to actually have more because you're still yeah. here. But like, <laughs> did it scare you from that? Definitely. I mean, you know, I, I think I shared this in the last one, but I've always wanted like a really big family. Right, right. Yeah, and, and so looking at Jesse, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want more. I want more of you because you're the best. <laughs> but I think thinking about going through that experience again mm-hmm. is so is so scary for me. So I don't know. I, I definitely want more, yes, to that, but uh, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. And, and then the question is like, okay, if I have a second one, should I just do a C-section again? Because at least now I know what to expect and at least – with a C-section, at least for me, like my pelvic floor and my vagina are like intact still, right? And so I might as well do a C-section again. Otherwise, if I do a vaginal birth, then not only did I have to have like a C-section, then I also like destroyed my <laughs> vagina and my yeah. pelvic floor. So I get like the worst of both worlds. And, and people say, oh, you'll forget it after a while. And I'm like, I will never forget this experience because it was so scary, so traumatic. But I, I think actually they're right. Like as I get further away from it, I'm like, wasn't too bad and then I like read back on my journal oh my gosh no it was horrible (laughs) um so I don't know like thinking about having to go through that experience again of this c-section maybe I won't have as many complications this time so it'll be better but I don't know I don't want to do that again so I don't know I don't know (laughs) yeah yeah no pressure to like have to think about it but I was curious on that since I saw that post and I was like Oh, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember, but there was something know. like sweet. I'll look at it later because I think okay. I'm making something up now. <laughs> um, okay, any last words? Name motherhood. Describe motherhood in a fruit. What comes to mind or does anything? A jackfruit? Like, or a durian? <laughs> I don't know. Like something that's like really spiky on the outside and then mm. like really sweet on the inside, right? And you just have to like cut off like all the spikes and get to like the, the sweet middle. Um yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Any last words before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I'm excited for you and G. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I know. No sleep. Texting you. Hey, because normally I feel like when I had the newborn or Jaden last time, I was texting moms like three months ahead of me because I think mm-hmm. like they had the most fresh mind or memory. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. not the best advice but it was just like fresh enough to where they knew because like when people ask me stuff I'm like oh, I don't remember anything and like like yeah. you were saying like I do only remember the sweet stuff but I know yeah. I, I did not feel sweet at yeah. that time you know so yeah so maybe I'll be and I I like literally texted the most random people if I had just heard something since I am kind yeah. of like a social person but hi I heard that you had really big struggle with this breastfeeding thing and I like randomly yeah. text people but I was like no shame about it. <laughs> anyways um so you're gonna celebrate Jesse's Peggy on the 24th with your family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hope you guys have a very sweet time and are able to reflect and celebrate him but also celebrate you hopefully being at least physically just like a hundred or whatever that means at that point Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining me today and literally rolling with the punches i'm gonna miss you because i feel like we're not gonna talk on podcasts for a while Yeah, we'll keep in touch. We'll keep in touch. If you have any questions at 3 a.m., just text me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll text you. (laughs) Okay. 
Well, thank you guys for listening to Color Commentary with Grace and celebrating her journey and that she and Jesse and Darren made it this far. So uh, we love you and we thank you for listening today. Bye. Wow, I feel like it is so rare to be able to capture the thoughts of a fresh newborn mama in real time. So it was truly a treat to have Grace take time out of her crazy schedule to share another resilient story with us once again on the podcast. From a difficult birth experience to a long healing process and still being the best mom for baby Jesse, I am once again reminded of the superhuman strength women transform into during this new identity of motherhood. From the countless thoughts that suddenly fill up our minds to the endless love that grows bigger and bigger every day, I want to celebrate all the moms who may be going through a tough time right now. It is so hard to remember this in the moment, but like Grace said, every season truly is temporary and I hope we can stop to enjoy our precious little ones even on the toughest of days. Grace also reminded me that it is so true that we live in a culture that glorifies the trauma. And while it is so important to amplify those voices and share real stories, it's also important to talk about the positive birth experiences because it really is a beautiful thing. So stay tuned for our next episode where I invite Janice Yi, now Janice Tong, onto the pod so she and I can reminisce on our birth stories from two years ago as we prepare for our second child in the coming months. As always, thank you for tuning in to Kohler Commentary. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate it five stars and subscribe so you never have to miss another. Go to at Kohler Commentary to comment your key takeaways and share what you want to hear about next. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Until next time, bye.